0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Ecuador Insider podcast. I'm Jesse Bayer, joined as always by my business partner Darnell Dunn. We are Abundant Living Ecuador. We are joined today by Andrew Henderson of Nomad Capitalist. I am super super excited for this show. Darnell, I don't know, this might be our first like big ticket guest, big name guest. I think <laughs> I think we we've, <laughs> we've reached the big time, but uh, moving, coming, on up. moving on up, coming to you today uh, on Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017, I'm in Loja, Ecuador, Darnell's in Cuenca, and Andrew is coming to us from Belgrade, I believe. Um, so I will get to Andrew in just one second. I just wanted to run through how you can reach us. Um, you can, of course, find us on our website at abecuador.com, uh, 800 number from the US and Canada, 888-999-0948 uh, email info at abecuador.com and, um, Andrew, I'm going to run through your bio in just a second. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time for joining the show and, um, also just express to you how psyched I am to have you on the show because, you know, you're somebody who I follow, um, you know, on social media and on your website. Um, and you're somebody who really thinks along a lot, uh, along the lines that I do. And you're somebody I think who's sort of taken Um, a lot of the sentiment and feeling that people have around the world as it relates to taxes and as it relates to Sort of loss of freedom and these sort of things and actually implemented it in your own life And then of course created a business um, that Helps other people do the same. So I think that's awesome. I'm really psyched to talk to you. Thank you again for being here Um, I'm gonna just uh, run through your bio off of your website from, uh, for, uh, you know, just so people can, the the, the few people who may not know who you are, um, can get a sense of who you are. And uh, then we'll start the show. Um, Okay, so... Andrew Henderson. Having traveled to close to 90 countries, Andrew is the real offshore expert and a lifelong entrepreneur who highly values his freedom. He knows everything there is to know about offshore investments, banking, companies, and second residencies and citizenships. He puts together unique nomad strategies for each of our clients to make sure everyone goes where they're treated best. When not visiting a new country... To cross it off his never-ending list of places to visit, he reads and researches new investment opportunities. Andrew is a big fan of Andrew is a fan of big cities, spicy food. Oh, I'm with you on that one. And elegant interior design. He has bases all around the world, among others in Belgium, Malaysia, and his beloved Georgia. Um, So, Andrew, thanks again for joining us. And uh, how's it going today?
1: Gentlemen, that's a beautiful introduction. I, you know, It's it's a great pleasure to be with you. You have a tremendous show, and uh, I'm excited. Awesome, awesome. And, um, and
0: where did you say you were uh, today?
1: I'm in Belgrade, in yeah. Serbia. In Serbia. Yeah, and this is kind of one of the hidden gems, I think. Uh, this part of the world is really exciting. I know Ecuador is very exciting. A lot of people are very excited uh, about what they're doing there, and it's such an open place and a great place. And so uh, I'm in Europe, and... Uh, Having a lot of fun
0: awesome. Well before you know I really want to get into a lot of specifics with you if we can on on you know On the second passport stuff and the tax strategies and and all sorts of things like that, but just maybe to start out um, Just sort of maybe give people the basics if you could of you what your business is what you do You know how you would describe yourself?
1: This all started kind of by accident um, a number of years ago now Uh, where I had a number of businesses in the United States in in four different main industries, Uh, the biggest being the broadcast industry. And uh, one by one, I sold those businesses off because I saw the decline in the broadcast business. I saw the decline in the United States in general, and I decided to go. And uh, having traveled and and run these businesses somewhat location independently for a number of years before that, uh, I decided just to uh, to cut all my ties with the U.S. basically and uh, go and, and study all these great places. I've been doing so for a couple of years um, off and on, but I really decided to, to dive in and focus on this and start a blog and write about what I was experiencing and my my quest to truly internationalize my life even further. And it became, by happenstance, I think basically by most metrics, the number one site for how to offshore, and four million people uh, look at what we're doing every year, and it's it's really exciting to be able to share um I think what's really a paradigm shift with people, which comes down to the five magic words that you mentioned, go where you're treated best. Um, I learned that, um, again, kind of unwittingly from my father at 12 years old, that he says, you know, countries rise, countries fall, you have to go where you're treated best. And and that's really my goal. And it comes down to, for me and for Nomad Capitalists, three main areas, which is your money, uh, how do you protect it, how do you keep more of it? Uh, your freedom with residencies, passports, stuff like that. Uh, How do you build your freedom? Uh, And then how do you create wealth faster? Once you have the freedom in place, once you have more money in your pocket, how do you make it work for you and create wealth? Um, And that's what I do. But really, I mean, go where you're treated best. I'm here in Serbia. Uh, You know, you walk around. I walked a kilometer to dinner last night. Let me tell you, if I I weren't single, I think I would have had a lot of conversations along that walk. (laughs) And so I think a lot of People are discovering that, you know, more friends, better relationships, better whatever can be had somewhere other than where they're from.
0: Absolutely. And you've, um, you know, obviously your business is built around that. um, And and people can, of course, find you at nomadcapitalist.com. You know, you talk about a lot of things that I'm really interested in, you know, you talk about prosperity, you talk about freedom, you talk about capitalism, Uh, you know, I I am an unabashed lover of freedom and um, all things, you know, and the market, etc. Tax strategies, multiple passports. Why don't you, um, you know, and I want to jump into some of that stuff, especially sort of the tax residency passport side, uh, and maybe some offshore, you know, sort of expat strategy kind of stuff. But and banking and all that, which, you know, I know you're, you know, you're really a leading expert in all those things. But um, why don't you explain for people, because um, I'm, probably a lot of people are not familiar with this, what exactly is, and I think, I don't know if you coined this term or not, but what exactly is flag theory?
1: Well, you know, it's the idea that you can plant flags around the world in each place where you have some kind of presence as a flag. Again, I mean, when my father in 1996, 1997 told me, go where you're treated best. The prevailing idea back then from everything that he read as a smart guy was, well, maybe we should pack our bags and go to New Zealand and start a new life there. And he was very uh, ahead of the times, uh, realizing that the United States was going to decline in, in, in some way and continue to do so. But now, I mean, really, you don't have to pack your bags and say, well, hey, I'm trading the United States and having all my stuff here for, I'm going to move all that stuff to New Zealand. Um, go where you're treated best means, where's the best bank? Well, um, the best bank is in Singapore, then you go and you plant your flag there and that's your bank. Well, you know, I personally, I was just in Singapore and I love it for a few days of time. I have banks, I have gold stored there. Personally, um, I'm a family, I wouldn't want to live in Singapore, it's a bit expensive, it's sterile, um, you can't drink water on the subway, um, and I can't really invest there. So I go and I plant my investment flags in Georgia, in Montenegro, in Malaysia, in Cambodia, in other places. Ecuador is a good one for that too, I think. Um, and then, you know, I have you know the passports, I have the residencies, and I really set up my life to say which countries do I want to be a subject of, really that's what it is. Which countries do I want holding my money? Which countries do I want keeping some gold? Which countries do I want to base my companies in um, that treat my companies well? Um, And so you can plant a flag in each of those places. And um, really, I mean, flag theory is something that's been around for a number of years. But I think that we're really adapting it now to say, again, you know, where's your girlfriend from? Um, You know, everything, everything that that is part of your life. You know, where do you spend your time? Where do you enjoy spending your time? Do you have one base, two bases or a perpetual traveler? You can plant your flags all over the place and have some kind of connection there, but only do that when it's a place that serves you, which is why, uh, you know, you might spend time in South Africa, but you're not going to bank there. You're not going to start a company there. You're not going to maybe hire people there. Mm -hmm. Um, choosing what serves you best
0: absolutely great um yeah and i think you know just to clarify people and darnell please jump in um just to clarify for people you know you obviously love to travel darnell loves to travel i can't i hate traveling um and i think i think you know it's an interesting point that you brought up it's you don't have to be a nomad you don't have to travel all the time to implement a strategy like this correct we're talking more about where your assets are where where you're banking where your businesses are set up etc Um, This is not necessarily a lifestyle choice as it is for you.
1: Well, yeah, I think that nomad is in your mind, and I've become, over the years of doing this, a big believer in mindset, and and even some kind of stuff that people might say is woo-woo. I mean, for being Mm -hmm. a a kind of a a, a tough serial entrepreneur, I mean, I've become a little bit woo-woo when it comes to mindset. The nomad part is in your mind, and, and having been in Mongolia a couple weeks ago, I liken it to the guys who used to live out on the steppe, and they would follow the herd. Um, And, you know, for my grandparents, and I suppose my parents' lifetime up until now, the United States was a pretty good place to be. When I was born, the United States, number one on the best places to be born list, I I suppose ahead of West Germany at the time. Um, And things change. So I think that the modern way of doing this, the nomadic capitalist way of doing this, is, is like I said. Um, you know, our grandparents, if things got bad, they moved, they just packed up everything and moved. Now you can have the mindset of basing everything wherever you want so that, um, you're in control. And the fact that the United States may have a problem won't really affect you that much. You know, it's like, uh, when you look at some company and the company has all their investments in one place and then that one place, you know. Like there's a like the plague outbreak or something, and nobody can come to their restaurants and buy food anymore. And so they, they're stock tanks. Well, you know, the company that has operations all over the world is going to be much more um, able to handle, you know, small shocks in one particular geographical area. And so, no, you don't have to travel. Um, there are four ways. We've got a blog post about this to save time. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere from being an expat in Ecuador or wherever else you please. Uh, to being a perpetual traveler. And I found that the more I do this, it's nice to have a few homes and be able to go back to base every once in a while and then, you know, go out from there. So you don't have to travel, but you should have kind of, uh, the diplomatic immunity and, you know, your yeah. money should have a passport. It should a different passport. And, uh, and you can do that without you having to move.
0: Absolutely. Those are so, such great points. Darnell.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks again for joining us, Andrew. Um, when Jesse was reading bio, there was one part that really stood out to me, and it said, I founded Nomad Capitalist to help people increase their freedom and to help them improve their financial situation and intelligently diversify their lives. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what went on in the United States and what's kind of your, you know, what part of your background really led you to come to that conclusion and some of the things that drove you to you know, move your businesses offshore, and you know, really change your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I talk to folks all the time who some of them are lifelong entrepreneurs. Some of them kind of stumbled into it. One of my uh, uh, someone who came to me for some help and has become a friend started out as a teacher and kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship, and now runs a multi-million-dollar company. And so, you know, when it comes to freedom and prosperity, I grew up around that stuff um, and, and that mindset. Um, and, you know, I was really interested in politics at a young age. I was interested in business and knew that's what I wanted to do from a very, very young age. And um, so these were concepts that I was really interested in. And I was out there, you know, I was like with the Libertarian Party and legalized everything and all that. And I still believe in most of that kind of stuff. Um, and I was really in favor of, you know, capitalism what, is what makes the world work and that the United States and Western countries were becoming more and more against capitalism and against freedom. And when you watch the news right now, you see that everything that we talked about at my home 20 years ago has come to be true, where it's like, you know, people don't want to pay 50 percent taxes. They're traitors. But what happened (laughs) for me specifically was when I, you know, basically dropped out of a party school at 19. um, I got into the radio business and I started the company and uh, it started doing pretty well pretty quickly. And I I remember taking like, I don't know, 200 grand or something like that. 20. And I paid, I forget what it was, but it was like 40 or something like that percent tax, 37, I don't know. And all that stuff that was so esoteric when I was a kid. You know, when you're a kid, you think, I'm, oh, you know, it'll, it'll all work out. And even though I said, oh, you know, low taxes are good when I was a kid, somehow I just, I, you know, you didn't really think it, you don't really know how the world works when you're 19, 20, 21. I just went out and stumbled into a $75,000 tax bill and then did it again and did it again. And I said, you know, this is not what I, remember Remember like, that, that guy who said he didn't want to, you know, pay high taxes? You know, here I am. And mm-hmm. I started traveling. Uh, I actually met a girl on a, uh, one of my first trips. And we started traveling together a lot. And I started noticing things where she lived in, in Ireland and we traveled to the UK and then we traveled to other places. And I started noticing, why is this better? Why is, you know, why do they pay higher interest rates at this bank? You know, in the U.K. and the U.S. aren't really that much different. Um, You know, how come they have this law here? And it really started the wheels turning, and I became more and more location independent um, with running my businesses while traveling a lot and always returning to my base in the United States. And I never felt so good in the U.S., and I eventually worked up to paying about 43% tax before I finally decided I had to stop the madness. Uh, and apply the stuff that I've been theorizing about for all these years. Uh, And so for me, that was the big one, was having this idea that I wanted to be free and I wanted to be uh, a capitalist, uh, but then going out in the real world and seeing, hey, this is how the United States and other Western countries treat you. If you're successful, you're going to pay a lot. And it's funny that Ecuador, Serbia, et cetera, uh, don't ask that much of you. And so that's what I kind of learned, and that's what I've been doing since then. Oh, that's Thanks
2: for sharing, Andrew. Uh, one other follow-up question to that. Um, going back to our conversation or the introduction that you gave us about flag theory, can you give us an example or two of how you've helped uh, some of your clients put that into practice?
1: Yeah, just uh, last Friday we got the word um, that uh, several of our guys got approved for their second citizenships. Um, it was a pretty, pretty fast process for them. Um, you know, I, second passports are something that I really enjoy because it goes with the traveling that I enjoy doing. Um, you know, we've we've helped people invest in stuff um, right now. You know, I've, I've made some really good contacts where you know you're you're your investing in construction and you make 17 to 20 percent a year. Um, but really, the the biggest wins come um, on the tax side, and that's obviously an area where you really need to be careful. Uh, it's why I pretty much work with folks from the U.S., Canada, and Australia uh, for the most part. Um, you know, we have guys who come in, they're making a million dollars a year, they're living in Los Angeles. And not only are they paying through the nose, but they have all kinds of regulations and forms, and they're being harassed, and the Franchise Tax Board harasses them. Um, some of them then move to Las Vegas, and they save a little bit of money. But, I mean, we literally have guys who are running companies from half a million to several million dollars a year, who they come in and we save them six to seven figures by merely changing their lifestyle around. Uh, and setting up the right structure of a good company or a couple of companies, um, you know the right merchant accounts, the right offshore banks, uh, everything you know, totally legal and under the IRS or the CRA or the, the ATO codes um, and also under the codes of the countries where they're doing business um, in their new companies. And you know, I think that last month we counted that if everything that the guys, I, they generally take five people a month, I think we figured that the guys—they were all tax people, pretty much—and we figured that they would save about 900 grand in the next year uh, in tax. And then, as long as they keep following the advice and nothing changes, um, they'll do it next year and next year and next year. And if the business grows, they'll save more. And I look at that and I say, "Okay, great. Now you take 900 grand, or if you're one of those guys, take 200 grand, for example. you You can go out, you can, you know, invest." A tiny fraction of that, and work towards getting a second passport. You can invest a lot of that money, but if you made twenty percent of that and you did it every year, um, you know it really starts to to grow. And so this is how real general generational wealth is created. And I think that's the big success story. Generally, we focus on the tax stuff first. A lot of guys, especially the Americans, want to work on second residencies and passports. I think mm-hmm. a lot of non-U.S. citizens need to have second residencies. Um, as tax agencies around the world become more and more fickle about where digital nomads are quote-unquote living. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that's all done, then the fun part of how do I invest my money in some of these really cool places? Uh, but it generally starts with tax. And so those five guys and, and some folks this month and next month and hopefully um, you know, millions of dollars saved and, and all done just by following the laws and making sure that the laws here match up with the laws there, match up with this company, match up with that bank you know if i could sum that up i would say go where you're treated best right and and that's really the thing of it guys i mean i'm in serbia the the flat tax for corporations is 15% that's kind of like moderate these days all these small countries i mean you know serbia used to be part of yugoslavia now there are six countries and they're all competing um, the same with you know georgia for example you know the former ussr when they decided they wanted to become really capitalist um, you know Some of the countries in even South America, Panama, et cetera, Nicaragua, you know, 15% corporate tax is kind of moderate. And yet there's a big debate in the United States right now because they want to make the corporate tax 15%. Um, and that's like Trump's crazy off-the-wall, like blow-up-the-city blow kind of proposal. You know, it's not the kind of let's carve things with a surgical knife as everyone else has done before where they take off a few percent. Corporate tax in the U.S. is 35%. And if you're an entrepreneur, even with a a singly taxed entity like an LLC, you're probably paying 40 to 50%. If you're in California or New York, you're probably paying more. And isn't it funny how all these countries around the world are saying, we only need 15%. Montenegro, I'm going tomorrow, 9%. Hong Kong, in some cases, zero. Singapore, eight, you know. How do they make do with it? How do they, you know, what is the U.S. doing that they're so much better they have to charge you 50%. If you want to pay, you're welcome to pay. Uh, But I think that a lot of folks in the United States, unlike Norway perhaps, where everyone's kind of agreed, yes, we love paying for the nose. a lot of folks in the United States who have said, this is not the way that I want to live, but they don't know that there are other options. Right. And speaking
2: of other options, I know you talked a lot about, um, you know, the people's first looking at it from a tax perspective and then thinking about, you know, where they should domicile, where they should, you know, get a second residency or passport. Where are some of the most um, popular choices for some of your clients as places to, um, to establish residency or um, citizenship?
1: You know, I think I, I, I have a phrase that I use, and that is that, you know, prescription without diagnosis is not practice. I mean, some people want to go to the European Union. Generally, if you're from one of those developed countries, uh, I generally advise against that. Some folks come to me and say, Andrew, my, my one goal is to renounce U.S. citizenship. That's maybe the one kind of person I would say should get an EU residency or passport, or at least a residency that leads to a passport. Um, for everybody else, I mean, you know, residency, it's a matter of where do you want to live and what serves you from a tax perspective. If you're a perpetual traveler, then you might want a residency that doesn't require a lot of work, and that's where Eastern Europe has been very good because they've been making it uh, more efficient than a lot of the Central American countries uh, have. Uh, where Panama, you gotta go there three times sometimes and the visits are long and drawn out. Uh, the European countries that are made things more official. Just get a residence, hey I'm living somewhere and I'll spend a little bit of time there maybe, um, then that works well. For someone who wants to live somewhere, it's not really fair for me to tell them where to live. For someone who wants a passport, I do think that kind of the T or B passports as I call them, which is, you know, decent countries, perhaps like Serbia, but not the US, UK, Australia, where you can basically go everywhere. I think tier B passports are going to be the way to go. Um, I do think that, you know, tier C passports probably not worth it. Um, I would define tier C as you can't visit Europe without a visa. But if you can visit Europe without a visa, and you can be Serbian or something like that, then I think that that's probably the way to go. What I would caution people is, number one, most of the guys who set up residency don't know the tax consequences because they just do residency. Uh, most of the guys who do passports tell you just what the law says and not what the reality is, i.e. in Panama, where they say it takes five years, and in reality, I know folks who have waited 16 years now to get their passport. So I think that you know having some experience on the ground works in this way, and I like efficient countries. Um, I think that Eastern Europe, including some of the EU countries like Romania, I think they're becoming much more efficient. Um, I also think that um, Asia, while a great place to live, is not really a place to get a passport. Very few of them offer it. Um, And it's becoming more and more expensive. Malaysia just confirmed, as I predicted a couple months ago, they just confirmed uh, recently that they're doubling the price of their residency. You have to put money in the bank to get residency. They're doubling it. So I think I would avoid Asia. If I wanted to live in Asia, I'd do so as a tourist. I'd get a residency in the Americas or Europe. And it really just is a matter of where you want to live, what the tax policy is, and do you care about that passport? And I would tell you, lastly, that maybe the residency that you have uh, for tax purposes and for living is different than the passport that you're working on. That's that's really great insight. Thank you.
0: Andrew, how has FATCA changed the game?
1: Well, FATCA, you know, I mean, this is the Foreign Account uh, Tax Compliance Act where people got to report accounts. Um, You know, I think if you're a U.S. citizen, it's difficult. But I think that, quite frankly, I mean, the more I look at this, I try and not be a doom and gloom guy. And maybe I've spent too much time outside of the United States where I'm becoming a little bit, you know, uh, know, less, I have less animus towards the United States. It's been about 1,040 days now since I've been there at all. And uh, I bet if I went back, I'd get pretty frustrated. But, you know, being a U.S. citizen has always been a challenge. We've got OFAC, you've got the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, where, you know, I mean, look at what's happening with some of the guys in the Trump administration where they're talking about they did some deal with this guy and he was corrupt with that guy. And so now it's a big investigation. Um, and, and a lot of that's brought in by the media. But, I mean, being a U.S. citizen is a challenge, and now there's an extra challenge in the last few years of this foreign account reporting. I'll tell you what. There are a lot of guys who will tell you that you need to you know, buy their book on banking or something to find out where to bank as an American. Listen, I have a book on banking. You can go to my website and buy it, and we recommend some banks. Um, but there are still banks that take U.S. citizens. Um, sure. The challenge is that – here's the nomad mindset again. Everyone thinks offshore bank, Swiss bank. Well, yeah, Swiss banks don't take it. Quite frankly, the service at Swiss banks has decreased. Um, There are much better options these days. Even if you could get in there, I wouldn't recommend it. So, you know, it's a pain, yes. But you know what? So is uh, citizenship-based taxation. Um, And quite frankly, when I go to a bank and I open an an account with a different passport, uh, I have every intention of reporting that account to the IRS, and I have every intention of, of making sure that the bank knows that I'm also a U.S. citizen. It says in the passport, you know, born in USA. I mean, that's, that's the biggest indicator you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Non-U.S. citizens are signing lots of U.S. tax forms, too. They're going through the nonsense, too. I think it's a problem for the world. Yeah. And now you have global information sharing for the rest of people. So I think that having a citizenship that's a little bit off the radar, having some bank accounts that are a little bit off the radar, not on tiny islands that everyone's targeting with blacklists but on just places that are kind of undiscovered. Right. Um it's going to be important. But this is a problem for everybody. And believe me, the US will not be the last people to harass their citizens with opening bank accounts or with citizenship based taxation. I think you'll see more countries making it harder to get out of paying tax even living abroad. I think you'll see with this new DRS, you'll see more information sharing that makes it difficult for everybody else. So everyone's paperwork burden is going to go up. The U.S. citizen's burden was already high enough. Um, you know, it's a matter of do you want to stay a U.S. citizen? And, and I'll be honest. Having you know all those burdens placed on me, I reviewed my situation every year. There are still some benefits to U.S. citizenship. Um, you know, if you have other tier B passports, because U.S. citizens are still respected by certain banks, um, by certain companies. They're disrespected by many, but in some situations, it can help you. So, I don't want to say that U.S. citizenship is the worst thing on earth. Um, but it definitely the paperwork burden is going up for everyone.
0: Yeah, I um, I think those are great points. And it's it's certainly been my experience that this is a global phenomenon, um, you know, and yeah. whether that's taxes, whether that's regulations, whether that's reporting, or whether that's just loss of sort of freedom in general. I mean, we've certainly seen that here in Ecuador, just sort of as an example of what you're talking about. Ecuador passed a law uh, just within the last month and a half um, now where... No public officials, uh, and this, you know, obviously doesn't sound so bad, but it's just a stepping stone. You know, no public officials are now allowed to hold bank accounts in uh, what they're calling uh, fiscal paradises or (laughs) or tax havens, as we would call them. Um, And, of
2: course, people have a way of verifying (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, and you know, and 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 but they, you know, they always do things incrementally. They always do things gradually. So they'll be that, and then next they'll say, you know, oh, actually nobody can. Um, and and just a year or two before that, they passed a law here saying you had to report your foreign uh, holdings, which had not been the case previously. So you know, it, it's it's global. It's being implemented everywhere. I sort of, um, I kind of look at your philosophy. Um, and again, you know, we really think, think along very similar lines on a lot of these things. I kind of look at your philosophy as almost like an arbitrage play or, or a diversity play, a mixture of the two. Because, you know, I talk to, if you sort of look at investors or you look at sort of the tried and true uh, investment strategies... I think I think they're dated. I think they don't work anymore. Um, I'm not sure that they ever did, but certainly now. Um, and, and people talk about things like diversification, and you know, some somebody might try to tell you, you know, that means small caps, mid caps, and large caps, you know, or that or that means uh, stocks and bonds, or that you know, maybe some real estate thrown in there. But those are all dependent on the dollar. If you're in the U.S., they're all dependent on the U.S. Uh, e- uh, economy as, as a whole. Um, I kind of I kind of look at uh, you know what you're doing both with the passports as well as the tax strategies as well as the investments. It's really almost an arbitrage play of say you know hey well you know in this market I'm getting taxed at this rate well I can you know run this same business over here you know that's an arbitrage play but it's also diversification and I also look at it too as almost like the personal it's like personal diversification because. If you're if you're subject to the whims of any one government, you're at risk. Period. Governments do crazy things, and they and they come after people. So I think it's really a brilliant strategy to sort of take the sort of idea behind diversification or or arbitrage and sort of uh, extrapolate that out, or not extrapolate that out, but sort of you know make that uh, apply that to both your personal life as it applies to. Personal freedom with passports and residencies, but then of course also your financial life. As far as you know, where where is where are you being taxed and at what rate, and where are you you know where are you banking and wh- what banks are the most safe, and all those sorts of things. It's really necessary in the world we live in today.
1: Pick, picking the best stuff from the buffet, I, you know, I appreciate it. Just to go back to what you mentioned a moment ago on uh, how they do things incrementally. Of course they do. It's always a slippery slope. It's always the frog in the boiling pot. But, but here's the other thing. I said, I think in 2013, and I've said ever since, that they're going to do things. The governments, the Western governments, are going to—they're uh, um, going to do things kind of backhandedly, where uh, they're going to say, "Oh no, no, you, you can still have bank accounts. Um, we're not, you know, we're not ruling out. You know, that's not illegal." Sure, we put in place laws that make it very difficult to do so, but it's not, hey, we're, we're freedom, we're all about freedom. You can have the freedom to do what you want, but then they impose so many conditions it's not possible, kind of like how they say when you go through the airport, if you have more than $10,000 in cash, you have to declare it. This is not a currency control. Unless the right. guy sitting behind the desk says it is and thinks you're a drug dealer and then takes all your money, which has happened. Uh, but to your <laughs> point on arbitrage, I think you're right. I mean, um, you know, the old ways, investing haven't worked and quite frankly, I mean, back in the day, people were pretty insular. You lived in the United States and you, you did everything there and, and who knew what was going on in Serbia but you knew that that was bad. Whatever there's going on in Serbia, they're pretty sketchy over there, right? You wouldn't <laughs> want to do that and even to this day, we have that mindset. People, oh, how, how do I know I'm going to have a bank account? Offshore banking in Singapore. Well, you know what they call a, a an offshore bank account in Singapore for someone who lives in Singapore? What's A that? bank account. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, they still have their money. So, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're very much uh, correct. I mean, Serbians, for example, if you have a single citizenship, you can't have offshore bank accounts. You get a dual citizenship, you have the freedom. So, I mean, the more that I work with guys who are really successful guys, um, the less I hear – a lot of the libertarian stuff, and the, the bomb throwing, as they say, and the, I'm going to toss my U.S. passport in the sewer. And I empathize with both sides. And believe me, I've been in the angrier camp. And and I imagine that if I, um, you know, didn't have all the stuff I'd have accomplished, I would still be there. But um, you know, I, I look at it and say. These are big decisions to make, and 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 get the second passport first, then have the clarity to decide: Do I want to be a U.S. citizen or not? I think to make that decision before you have the option is is a bit irresponsible, um, and and you find that you know you might change your mind. Um, so that's what I would say. I would say get the options in place and then make decisions accordingly.
0: Awesome, Thernell?
2: Yeah, um, Andrew, just in this in this backdrop and in, in the world as we've discussed it what kinds of investment opportunities are you talking to your clients about today?
1: Well I'm not an investment advisor I mean quite frankly most well that we do I mean the, the biggest part is finance which is the structure companies, mm-hmm. bank accounts, stuff like that occasionally someone does a trust um, and then we get to the second passports, residencies, cetera. What I try and really do with the investments is tie it in where, hey, um, I'm retaining earnings in my offshore company and where can I invest it? Um, so for some folks that's precious metals. Um, I'm seeing less of that these days, but I do think that that's a good uh, diversification play uh, as you know the, the stock market reaches ridiculous levels. Um, you know, People are doing real estate. I'm seeing a lot more lifestyle real estate which is something that I've been doing recently, where I just buy properties that I think um, are mildly undervalued. I'm just trying to enjoy my life. You know, I've been working uh, 24 hours a day for, you know, since I was 18 years old. I mean, I'm just trying to enjoy my life. I mean, at least I think that property is a good investment, but I'm not buying at fire sale levels just because I want to buy exactly what I want. Um, I'm seeing people do, uh, you know, more kind of just general real estate. You know, the property management kind of stuff in emerging economies like Georgia, for example, where there's not a lot of um, stuff. I just had a client who's uh, getting in and starting his own property management company there. It doesn't really exist. I mean, he's going to do Airbnb too, and the government loves that, and I think he's going to do very well with that. So you know, mixing real estate with some kind of traditional business works. Uh, and lastly, um, just traditional you know, loan capital. You know, if you can make 17% passively, nothing wrong with that. Um, if you can make eight or nine or ten percent in a bank account, nothing wrong with that. So I think that you know, for me, you know, again, I'm, I'm the I'm the party school dropout. I'm not the advanced MBA who's you know, you know, leveraging things to the hilt and you know, uh, doing all kinds of crazy deals. I think that going back to basics works in places where the basics still work. I don't think the basics work in the United States or most Western countries anymore. You make two percent, three percent, five percent yield. What's that? That's like inflation. Uh, When you go to places where there's potential, where there's little competition, you start a business, you open a bank account, you hold currencies that are undervalued, uh, you hold gold. If you do a bunch of those things together and you have a business that generates cash, I think you're like in the top 0.1% of people in terms of freedom and prosperity and options, really in the history of the world. Well said.
0: Yes. um, Yes, you nailed it. Um, I was watching some stuff of yours recently. You mentioned, um, and I'm sort of taking a left turn here um, into some more sort of just philo- philosophical stuff. You mentioned something that I loved about just focusing on what you can control. Um, you know, that's been a, a big lesson for me in my life. Um, I think I come from n- not the uh, familial background that you do. Uh, my family is super, super liberal, um, not libertarian minded at all. Um, but Um, and so I sort of grew up in that and then, and then I sort of became, you know, very sort of, you know, a voluntarist. So, you know, I don't, I don't believe in government. I don't believe in, you know, control of any kind, but, um, and, 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 and there were some years there where, you know, I was really spending a lot of time upset and trying to change people's minds or change the top and you, and you just, you know, you can't control those things. Um, You really only, you have to accept reality and control what you can. And, you know, I loved your point on that. And I also love what you're doing about that because that is um, those sorts of things where you bank, where you live, where you pay taxes, those are things you can control. And it feels really good to sort of implement solutions to the things that any person views as problems, whether it's this that we're talking about or anything else in their life. Um, I don't know if there's really a question there, if you have a comment on that or not. Um, if not, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, ask you a couple other questions.
1: Hey, I, look, I think you're totally right. And, you know, again, I, uh, I, I've been there, you know, you and I have been there. And um, you're right, you don't make a lot of progress. I mean, I think that if you're the kind of person who is frustrated with the United States, if, you know, if you're the person who wants to stay and change the United States by electing the right people, uh, I wish you the best. I don't think that that's what most people think is going to work. And I think that people do that. I, I don't totally understand it. You know, the anarchist who's going to run for, for parliament or something. I don't <laughs> right. entirely um, get it. I, 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 and again, everyone should do what, what is best for them. But I feel sad for some of these people because I've been there and I know. And I know how frustrating it is. And and especially if you have a business. Especially um, where I look at it and say, okay, if I'm going to make – a million dollars this year. My time, if you just figure a normal work week, which I know, we don't do that. Sometimes we work a lot less. Sometimes we work a lot more, but let's just average it out. What's $500 an hour? And I used to think, okay, well, that's like if I just hire someone to make my hotel reservation, I'll save money doing that. But you know what the biggest waste of my time in life has been uh, in previous years has been just walking around upset about something. (laughs) And When I'm upset about something, I'm not focused. To grow my business. And if I were to go back and look at those businesses, I had a business that did um, a lot of money, millions and millions and millions of dollars in the broadcast business, and the other ones did all right too. I think how much better could it have been if I wasn't, number one, trying to hoard every penny and trying to cheap out enough? And number two, uh, if I had spent less time being angry. Um, and the only thing you can change is yourself. And, you know, I'm here I am, uh, I'm in Serbia. Uh, I get frustrated about stuff, Um, but I think that um, you know we've all made a decision here, whether it's Ecuador, Serbia, wherever else, that we can find the places that suit us best. We can create a lifestyle that suits us. There's going to be forms. There's going to be some nonsense. Um, Banks are going to be banks, Uh, but we can get around it as best as possible. And it's up to us to make the decision to do it. No one else is going to do it for us. And I think it's the most empowering thing can do to say, "I'm taking control."
0: Yes. Um, I don't know if you cut out for a second there or if you stopped talking. Are you talk, you're, Are talking? Uh, did you finish your thought? I did, and I'll send you oh, good. The, uh, the report number. Done, sure. Oh, perfect. Um, yes, I couldn't agree more. I mean, a, uh, one of the things that I've noticed with that, politics sap you of your power. They, they make you feel so not in control. Um, you know, with the recent elections in the States and here as well in Ecuador, um, and I actually think that the elections in Ecuador mean, mean something a little bit anyway, whereas the elections in the states, I sort of think, are, you know, it's uh, it's the right hand and the left hand, you know, running against each other. Um, I, I've come across so many people who have literally damaged their lives because they're so upset over who won or who lost. Um, you know, people who, have, people who have, you know, Trump won and they didn't like Trump. And so they're going to be depressed for six months, (laughs) you know, like, and that's, that feeling is just so, that's such an awful feeling. And it is very hard for me to understand as well, because I don't, I don't necessarily, and I don't want to get into politics too much, but I don't necessarily, I don't understand for an individual person, how the election of Trump or Hillary or Bush or Clinton or any of the others are going to materially affect their lives to that degree? Could there be, you know, some tiny rule change, some tiny tax change, some tiny thing on the margin that maybe could have, you know, maybe, okay, maybe, sure, a little. But the idea that, you know, you would give your power over to a politician to that degree is is really, I think, you know, very damaging to life. And I, you know, I agree with your point wholeheartedly. Um, Darnell, do you have more questions? Andrew, do you have stuff you want to uh, get out there to our listeners before? Um, I mean, we'll certainly give, you've kind of uh, done it. We'll certainly give you a minute to, you know, plug your stuff as well. Um, anything that we haven't talked about. I think I uh, have asked most of what I'm interested in. What do you, uh, Darnell, you have anything else or Andrew?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, Jesse. I was just going to um, give Andrew the opportunity to talk about uh, in more depth about the products and
1: services that he
0: offers. Floor is yours.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think that, and to your point on politics, um, said, I mean, taking back the power, control over your own life. Well, I remember, to your point, uh, remember when George W. Bush got elected and, and they said, we're going to have a big tax cut, and they lowered they lowered the top rate from 39 to 35. Right. Um, that's why I countries, because, like you're Twitter. You can actually have real change. I'm not saying change that may affect you, because if you're the nomad, you can say, you know what? My, I'm protected. And uh, I'm just living here. And as long as they don't start sweeping people up, I'll be fine. But here's what I'm able to do if they want to get in touch with me. Mean, nomadcapitalist.com is the website. What I tell people first is if you're new to this or if you've been reading other people's stuff, if you've been going to the 97 hour seminars I see and dealing with other guys who are selling kind of shady stuff take some time and read what I have to say, you know, read the blog, watch the YouTube videos, listen to the, the podcast, consume the content before you do anything. Um, and do that for free and kind of see if you, if you're a fit for what I'm doing. Cause, cause what I'm doing, I think is one, trying to drag the industry, uh, out of the, out of the shadows and into the sunlight and find a way that works to actually help people, uh, more than just a small number of people but a lot of people who could benefit from this and also I'm doing so I think in an abundant way Um, I've learned the lesson of going out there and getting the free consultation I've learned the lesson of um, you know trying to cheap out I've learned the lesson of telling the guy who could save me a ton of money in taxes that I wouldn't pay him and uh, I've suffered every time and when I invest in myself I'm rewarded every time so I think people should take the time we've got like 1200 blogs uh, 200 videos, hundreds of podcasts. Check that out. Dive into the content, see if it's a good fit, and then and from there, we have a couple of products, um, books. For example, the best offshore banks. You can get that book um, if all you want to do is open a bank account. That's a good way to go. But you know, if you think you need some help, after you think that maybe we're on the same page and my approach is on the same page, and and uh, you know, you, you think would be a good fit. You can go, and, and, and we uh, allow people to apply to uh, to work with me. And uh, you know we're uh, we're picky only because I want to make sure I'm helping the right people who can really get the help and who can really get results. I mean, here in last week, three dudes uh, got their citizenships issued. Um, it was great seeing people save money in taxes. Just met in Bali with a guy uh, from Australia who's saving over four hundred thousand dollars. Uh, each year in taxes, and he's going to save about a million dollars in taxes when he goes to sell the business in about a year or two. Um, that's powerful. And then I look at how that guy's life is changing. He's getting married now. Um, how that guy's life is changing, the freedom, the extra money, the ability to you know give so much more to his family uh, and his future children. Um, so that's the benefit for me. And I think that if someone aligns with what I'm saying, um, then perhaps they're a good fit to to work with us. And uh, I'm always looking for, for more good people to help out.
0: Helping people is really fun, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I said, I mean, I, I've run, you know, I ran all these businesses in the United States and I, you know, I come from Ohio. My father's the most honest guy that I know. And it was always take care of the customer. Yeah. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. and I always lived by that. Yeah, But there was always a thing where, you know, one of our, our smaller businesses that we you know we did pretty well in selling but we ran a pool business we cleaned people's pools I wasn't cleaning the pools but we had guys who cleaned the pools and uh, we were one of the bigger pool companies in Arizona and um, you know people would call and they'd make all kinds of demands and they'd want to pay low prices and you know I would take them because it wasn't about getting the help It was about you can't let anything I, I just imagine my father you'd never turned down a piece of business and his intentions were good he always I mean he, would, he killed himself uh, figuratively trying to serve all of his clients. Mm -hmm. But I think he could have done just about as well by focusing on the best clients and getting more of that and focusing on, on delivering, you know, value to people who really wanted the value. And so that's the lesson that I learned from businesses. And I'll tell you, I mean, having all these people who come to the site and who benefit from it is a great feeling in of itself. We get so many thank you notes. Um, but to see those 60 people a year really get stuff cooking, is, is a great feeling, and it makes me glad that I'm not uh, you know, just out there doing the $97 seminars and trying to hustle people into stuff they don't need or won't help them.
0: Right. Um, awesome. Andrew, uh, we'll have to have you back on the show for a business philosophy slash life philosophy slash marketing show because you are also a digital marketing expert. I uh, love your stuff, but thank you so much for taking the time, Andrew. We, we really appreciate it.
1: Gentlemen, it's been a lot of fun. Keep up the great work. All right, take
0: care. And take care. All right, that was a really interesting show. I thought he was a great guest.
1: Yeah, I
2: did. so I did too. I've been following his stuff for a long time.
0: Have you? Yeah. Nice. All right. You want to shoot us out of here, or you got uh, anything last? Last things to say?
2: Oh no, I'll, uh, I'll close it out. Oh, well, everyone, thanks again for joining us. For, uh, episode thirty-two. Are you getting that feedback?
0: Um, Yeah, it's all right. Just uh, go ahead.
2: (laughs) All right. Great. Um, Well, again, you can reach us um, toll free from the U.S. and Canada at 888-999-0948 via email at info at abecuador.com or via our website at www.abecuador.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week.